This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. It was a butthole. Um, <laughs> Your mom listens to this. Hello, and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. And I'm Stacey Kulo. We're comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls. Which is a show that I love, but I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week, we watch season three, episode eight of both shows, starting with Gilmore Girls, Let the Games Begin. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer's Lover's Walk. These had a lot of similarities. Yeah. Not like overtly similar, but definitely more than one thing. We were like, that's weird. And they were both good, I thought. Yeah, I thought both were good. Doesn't always happen these days. Stacy, what have we been up to? Brian, we had a party. A party, guys. We had people to our house. We had lots of people to our house. We had thousands of people to our house. It was a lot of people. It wasn't that thousand, but it was like 15. 15. Everybody's vaccinated, and we played a game called Blood in the Clock Tower, which is our favorite game right now. I'm not sure if we've talked about that on here or not yet. Yeah, I don't know. Because we started this in COVID when we weren't having 15-person parties. Yeah, it's a social deduction game like Werewolf, where like everybody gets a role at the beginning of the game. Some of you are good, some of you are evil, but nobody knows who's good, who's evil. And you have to try to figure it out uh, while the evil people secretly kill all the good people. Yeah, and everyone has like a very specific role and way they contribute to the game, like different powers and abilities. But they might not be telling the truth about their abilities. Or people might be drunk or poisoned, so they might think they're doing the right thing, but they're not. Or they might be like actually drunk and just playing the game poorly. You don't mm-hmm. know. It's very fun. And we used to make it sort of a regular thing at our apartment until, you know, March 2020. Right. And so it was really fun to be able to do it again. The game isn't even out yet. I made, well, I didn't invent the game, but I made the materials for my copy of the game. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud of that. Yeah, it, it looks great. And everyone's very impressed. But yeah, a ton of our friends came. Lanny Harms came. Does our audience know who Lanny Harms is? I know our audience does include Lanny Harms, but uh, maybe Lanny Harms should give us a five-star review. Lanny Harms did, but she like made it a secret nickname. Yeah, it's a fun game, but it felt weird to have all these people over, but it also felt good. Speaking of five-star reviews, we got another one. Thank you so much to Smathleen for your kind words and five-star review. Yeah, thank you. She also likes our online skits. If you're not following us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter, you should. There's this whole portion of the podcast where we just like make short videos making fun of these episodes. They're very specific. <laughs> yeah. You're the audience for it if you enjoy the podcast. We say our social media handle at the end of the episode, but maybe not everybody listens to that. So we'll put it at the top this week. It's at Gilmore Slayer in all four of those platforms. All right, Brian, should we get into the episodes? Let's do it. This week, we started with Gilmore Girls. Brian, why don't you tell everyone about Let the Games Begin? Okay, so this episode is about two things, mainly. It's about Richard pressuring Rory to go to Yale, deceptively, and also about Rory and Jess's relationship. Big day for Rory. It's a big day for Rory. The episode starts with, is this supposed to be like the next day after the dance? I don't think it's the next day because Rory wouldn't like immediately have to go to school. I'm guessing this is Monday. Whatever the case, it's one or two days after the dance marathon. The episode starts with a bunch of people taking down all the marathon stuff, which I actually thought was kind of a cool nod to be like, that's over, but it's still recent. And it starts with Lorelai and Rory walking towards Luke's, more like shuffling towards Luke's. They're like, it's like they're hungover, but they didn't drink. They're just like super jet lagged, super tired. They're complaining about how their like feet are numb. This is that the chicken neck Lorelai music stuff's happening. 
Okay. People are waiting for your compilation of this. I also, we're going to talk about this music a little bit later, but it's relevant to Buffy. But like, she's doing the neck thing. I can't wait for all that. And then they get to Luke's. Automatically, Rory sits in like the wrong chair. She doesn't sit at their normal table. And it's not clear why, right? I think the show is like suggesting that she's sitting there because she wants to be like closer to Jess. It did seem like it was supposed to mean something, but it was unclear what. Because they'd also just set up in the previous scene that they're like essentially hung over out of their minds, right? Like they're just like mind is mush, their bodies are mush. Yeah, and this might have just been more of that. Maybe it's to represent a divide between Lorelai and Rory. Ooh, that's possible. But like maybe it's about Jess, but Jess isn't a secret, so I don't know why she would do that. Jess is also not downstairs yet. Like, right. I-, I don't know. It's barely closer. Maybe she wanted to be able to see the door. Yeah, I don't know. It was really weird. Also, then Kurt comes in with his giant giant trophy. Kirk, by the way, this whole episode is very funny. He's brought his giant trophy in. He like needs a place to put it. He wants to get like an extra chair for it. Apparently he does this all the time. My question is, is this one of those trophies where you get one every year or is it like you relinquish it to the new winner? Because they've set up he's won multiple years. So does he just have like 10 of these? Well, they also set up later that it gets stolen every year. So maybe he just gets a new one. Oh, yeah. But then Jess comes down and it's like awkward city. There's everyone saying hey to each other. There's like four hey's in a row. Yeah, Lorelai, Luke, Jess, and Rory are in like a weird high quad. Yeah, and then they're done interacting. And when Jess and Rory leave, then Luke's all like, what's that about? So then Lorelai tells Luke what's going on between Jess and Rory for the audience's benefit, really. And somehow Luke's. He missed that memo. Yeah. Well, I mean, he and Jess aren't particularly talkative, so. It's true. Luke thinks this is fantastic. Luke is so pumped. Lorelai's more just sort of like resigned to the fact that it's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, she says specifically like, yeah, Rory's 17 and, you know, she's due a Jess, essentially. Like, we're all, we all date that piece of shit. I feel like Rory is 18 now because she turned 16 in the first season yeah. in like the sixth episode. Mm-hmm. So this is now the eighth episode. Next week is Thanksgiving. You can argue that the episodes don't have to take place at the same time. That's true. And they don't always. But I, I feel like she should be rounding up to 18 yeah. at this point. Well, her mind is mush. Yeah. In the first season, she definitely rounded up to 16 because yeah, Rory yeah. She said she was 16 and then turned 16. Luke's excited. She's not. But, you know, she's not going to be an angry mother about it. Yeah, that's the outlook she's choosing to take. This too shall pass. Is it gonna pass? We'll find out next time on Gilmore. Or maybe not next time. So then it's dinner time, Friday night dinner time. Emily is very angry at the maid because she made a salad with walnuts. Is someone allergic? Like, why is this such a big deal? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't like walnuts, but I would just be over it. I don't know. You can also pick them off. Like, they don't flavor the salad. Walnuts also, like, are sort of hard, notoriously for me, in salads to, like, skewer. Mm -hmm. So you could just not eat them. I don't like nuts on a salad. They will roll the hell off. I mean, the only thing that's upsetting is that they weren't pecans. I don't like nuts on a salad. Pecans go everywhere. You should see our apartment. (laughs) Lorelai just wants to eat because the salad keeps getting taken away. I don't know why the salad is taking so long for her to make. Salads are also, like, quickly made. I would just pick them off if I was the maid. Yeah, but she instead remakes them and puts them back. We'll get to there. Lorelai tells Emily this whole story about, like, how Frank Lloyd Wright had a problem with his help. And then one of their servants, like, burned down the house and, like, killed a bunch of people with an axe. I looked this up. Some of it's true. Oh, really? Yeah, but it was not Frank Lloyd Wright's wife. He had a mistress that he, like, built a house for. And the thing I read didn't say anything about her being mean to the help, but it was, like, a servant that just, like, burned down the house. But Lorelai also said that they had, like, a huge dinner party. It was just, like, her kids and the help that were in the house. But he did not just, like, chop everyone up. But he did burn down the house. And, like, Rory says, I don't think they really knew why. 
But it was interesting. Frank Lloyd Wright, like, notoriously had a mistress. He, like, believed he needed a wife and a creative side piece. <laughs> she was more of, like, a mistress. Yeah, he, like, believed you needed a, a mother of your children and then, like, someone else just to, like, be in love with. I don't know. Is that true, audience? So, yeah, definitely elements of that story were true. But it was not his wife and there was no axe murdering from what I could tell. It's very graphic. But Richard, despite the story, is in a really good mood because he's going to be visiting Yale. And he's, like, just really excited about going to Yale and meeting up with this old a cappella group. Apparently Richard can sing. Are we going to see that? Mm-hmm. He makes it clear he's not the best singer, but that he can sing. Uh, and then he wants to talk to Rory in the kitchen for a second. They're having some candy from the fridge. You know, Richard's being very nice, giving her soda, giving her candy. And then he's essentially just like, hey, I'd love to show you Yale. You know, do you want to come? You can see my acapella group, the Tiffing Poofs. What is it? Whiffin' Poofs? The Whiffin' Poofs. Not to be confused with the Puffs, which is the sorority Rory was kind of in. But Richard, like, essentially begs her to come. And she's like, okay, I'll go because it'll make you happy. And he's, like, very excited about it. He's not suggesting at all that she, like, check out the campus to go there. He, like, clearly doesn't mention that. But obviously we have to wonder if that's the point. We have to. Uh, and then when Rory and Lorelai are leaving, Rory tells her mother, and Lorelai's pissed. She's going to go, like, tell her dad off. And Rory's like, don't do this. You know, this is going to make him really happy. And then we can say we did it. Yeah, let's not make it a thing. Yeah, we can have fun. You and I will find a way to make it fun. So I like this scene because it's another example of, like, Rory, who I feel like the show has really showed that she wants to make people happy. She wants to make her mother happy. She wants to make her grandparents happy. She's willing to self-sacrifice to help other people. Which is such an interesting contrast with some of the stuff she does in her love life. But, like, Rory wants to do good. Lorelai does point out that she's convinced her father is manipulating Rory, though. Yeah. Like, she's worried there's more to this than he's saying. Right. Also, the maid messed up the salad again. Yes. Uh, When they're in the kitchen, she walks by and there's walnuts on the salad. Rory goes to Luke's. She goes to sit at the counter and orders a burger while she clearly is waiting for Jess. She's in that corner at the counter. Kirk comes in. He's upset because his trophy is missing. Someone stole it like they do every year. Uh, it's really funny because he's freaking out about it. And Luke's all like, you got to stop calling it she. That was <laughs> that made me laugh the, out loud. That was he funny. took it to the movies. Yeah. He even like checks Rory's bag to make sure she didn't steal it. It wouldn't even fit in Rory's bag. No, it's you would so have to big. cut it up. While she's waiting for a burger, Jess comes down, and then she it goes into awkward mode immediately. Luke's like, do you want that burger? How do you want it done? She's like, I don't need a burger. I don't eat. I feel like this is a bit overblown. I understand being embarrassed, but, like, he's seen you eat before. A lot. Yeah. They had, like, six desserts together once. Yeah. They've eaten together several times. I also feel like she was never weird about eating in front of Dean. Yeah. She might know they're about to, like, make out. Oh, that's, okay, yeah, okay. That's maybe true. With Jess, you never know when kissing's gonna happen, you know? Seems yeah. like her hormones just make her do it when she wants to do it. And, and Jess is made out upon this very counter, even in front of Rory. Yeah. So it could happen at any moment. She's gotta be ready. Jess is all like, uh, do you want to go uh, see that book in my room, book? And Rory's like, oh yeah, book, let's go, book, book. They go upstairs to book. <laughs> And it's still super awkward, right? The scene is just them not knowing what to say to each other, like just totally not understanding like how to be even. They just don't know what to do. They're just so awkward. Just, I mean, I, this is relatable, right? Where you're on your first date and you're like, what, what do we do? You know? I'm not sure. It's weird because they've like hung out a bunch. Yeah. So the obvious next step is they can like legally be physical now. But that was all like flirty where there's like, there's a wall up that's safe. So all of what we're saying is never going to lead to anything. Whereas this is like, why aren't we making out now? Exactly. I mean, that's why I think think they're like well we should make out that's what we want to do there's no point in like going on a date right but there's also like it's weird to just start making out 
Yeah. We're not Willow and Xander, okay? We can keep ourselves together for a second. Yeah. But then they get close and they're going to make out. And then Luke comes in and starts freaking out. You know, he's all like, there's going to be rules. You got to go. Here's your burger. Which she doesn't pay for. Yeah, she never does. Not for to-go burgers. So then Luke just sits just down and like rattles off all these rules about like having to be by the door and have the door ajar. All those kind of things. I like when Jess is like, you know you're my guardian, not hers, right? Because he is talking like he's Rory's dad right here. Yeah, exactly. Like you have my daughter back by eight kind of thing. Which is, I guess, interesting because, I don't know, I feel like he does feel sort of protective of Rory. Like, he's done sweet things for her before. Yeah, I mean, he said he loves Rory before. Yeah, yeah, he said he loved Rory more than himself, right? Yeah. I, I do feel like they're trying to push that Luke is a surrogate dad in Christopher's absence. What's weird, though, is that, like, I mean, this is whatever. It's the writing. It's supposed to be funny. But you think Luke could just be like, hey, can we, like, talk about some ground rules, like, in general? Like, hey, can you not get her pregnant? That's like- a pretty specific ground rule. I mean, that's the ground rule, I feel like, right? Don't get her pregnant. I feel like this town's whole objective is to keep Rory from getting pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> like she's some precious resource they have to protect. You could just have that conversation like, hey, man, like, you know, saw what happened to her mom. Like, just don't get her pregnant. Rory is probably aware that she doesn't want that to happen to her as well, though. I know. I know. I I, I don't trust Jess. <laughs> sure. Luke leaves feeling very, like, self-satisfied. But it's one of those things where it's like, do you think he's listening to you, Luke? Come on. Which we'll find out later he's not. But, like, come on. So the next scene is the girls getting ready for their car trip to Yale. Lorelai is an expert on packing for car trips with her mother. And she's telling Rory that she's just, like, not ready. She has not packed enough. This never comes back. Like, I was waiting for there to be a moment where Emily was like, good thing you brought your extra shoes. Yeah. And it didn't matter. Yeah. While Lorelai's in Jess's room, she comes across What? That, uh, yeah, they fuck. Luke didn't tell them anything. <laughs> While Lorelai's in Rory's room, she finds Dean's old bracelet or pendant or whatever he gave her, and it's broken. Apparently it broke in the shower. Makes sense. And Lorelai's all like, oh, well, it's probably fine that it broke it because Jess would have broken it anyway. Ha ha. And Rory gets very defensive. She's like, why are you making that joke? And she's like, no, I'm just making a joke that he doesn't want you wearing another man's thing, which I would agree with. And then now we get a kind of a nice moment where Lorelai promises her daughter that she's going to do her best to accept Jess. I didn't think you were going to be with Dean forever. I don't think you're going to be with Jess forever. He's just a phase. Mm -hmm. She doesn't say phase, but she's clearly like, we're just going to wait until Jess is done, until you get it out of your system. I do feel like this is going to bring up more drama later, but I feel like it's nice that Lorelai's like, well, there's nothing I can do, and I want you to be happy, so I'm going to do my best to accept this. Then the parents show up, or the grandparents. They are so excited for their road trip. I, I, <laughs> they're, like, so excited to drive them somewhere. And this is a funny scene, too, because Lorelai has, like, coffee in a thermos, and Emily's like, you can't have that in the car. And she's like, I know. So she just, like, holds it out the window. That was funny. I thought you would hate that. I liked it. Cool. I don't hate everything. I thought you would think it was dumb because Lorelai would know that her mom wouldn't have it, so she's just being difficult by having it. But also, I thought you might just hate it that her mom was being difficult about it. No, I thought it was, like, a Gilmore, like, kind of eye-rolly thing, but whatever. Sure. Lorelai also is, like, complaining about how shitty New Haven is, the city that Yale is in. Yeah. I don't know anything about New Haven or Yale, but I feel like Yale's a very prestigious school, and usually college towns are, like, cool. Do you know anything about New Haven, listeners? Is it gross? Yeah, is it, like, the inside of a coffee pot? Like, I didn't get what she meant. Is it, like, dirty there? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like all of Connecticut seems like it's supposed to be colonial and expensive. I don't know anything about it. When they get to Yale, Richard is, like, having a blast. He's going down memory lane. He's just talking about, like, everything he used to do here. And we find out through Emily that he was, like, a bit of a player back in the day. Oh, yeah. He was a regular Lothario. He would take women to the gallery all the time. And And then he'd do the frown, step back, wrinkle, and sigh. Mm Mm-hmm. I've, you know, I gotta try that, I guess. 
Yep. I just look you dead in the eyes and say, can I touch your body? And that's what I like. Yeah. I just look at you and I say, consent? Consent? Consent me? <laughs> well, if Ken sent you, go ahead. Yeah, baby. But apparently I should be frowning, stepping back, wrinkling my face, and sighing. Only if you're looking at art. You don't want to do that, like, at me. Yeah, we find out Emily's, like, maybe a homewrecker? Yeah. <laughs> Not a home record per se, but apparently Richard had like a fiance, and we find out where Richard proposed to Emily by this like old trash can where a bench used to be. Some fun and dialogue here. This whole scene actually I think is all pretty well written and funny. Yeah, they said that Emily showed up to his frat party wearing that blue dress. Apparently that blue dress was very hot. It reminds me of a certain... Brown hat? Brown hat and green shirt. <laughs> Just a little trick I did once. They're being uh, kind of gross by this trash can, though. Yeah, they're being gross. They're being intimate. They're talking about the proposal. But also, just, like, they're touching the trash can. <laughs> yeah, kissing over the trash can, too. But And they talk about the proposal, and it seems like it was not particularly romantic. No. <laughs> seems like a sitcom proposal. But also very Emily. Yeah, it's true. There's a funny joke. They were, like, mad that the bench was moved. And right. Emily's like, can you believe this? And Lorelai's like, I know. What if we wanted to sit down? Yeah, that was funny. All the scene was funny. Well, Emily's kissing Richard over the trash can, her button breaks. So Lorelai takes her to the bathroom and fixes it. And when they're in there, they have like a, a sweet moment. Emily's like, you know, it's really nice that you came. I can tell your father's like very happy that Rory's here and that you're here. So Lorelai and Emily are in a good place, which means they probably won't be by the end of the episode. Yeah. But simultaneously, Richard and Rory are bonding outside on a bench that they did find. They're taking up that whole bench, too, which is upsetting because, like, what if someone wants to propose? Right. And he tells her that when Lorelai was a kid, she came in and, like, stole his Yale diploma and was like, I'm going to go to Yale. But, uh... I guess she did, but not till today. Yeah, he seemed almost to get emotional. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, wouldn't you know it, it looks like Richard accidentally walked Rory right next to the admissions office. That's crazy. Oh, wait a minute. The admissions officer? That's a friend of Richard's. You know what? <laughs> Just so happens Richard called that morning and set up a meeting with him and Rory. Huh. What a quinky dink. Well, Rory better go in there and have a quick admissions meeting. You know, wouldn't want to be rude to this impromptu, unprepared, serendipitous moment. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be rude to that moment. Yeah, well, Rory's kind of like nonplussed, but she goes in. And when Richard comes out, he's like so excited. He's like, oh my God, Rory shook his hand. <laughs> he didn't, he, a woman's never shaken his hand before. Oh my God, that's only a thing that smart women do. That was weird. Like, <laughs> yeah. wow, can you believe this girl knows what to do when you meet a human? <laughs> I like that they made it very clear that Emily didn't know. Yes. Like, Lorelai says as much, but I don't know that she needed to. I think Emily was doing a good job with her face. Yes. Lorelai is furious with her father, and she's just like, we're getting a taxi, we're going home, I can't believe you would have lied to us. But Richard just starts, like, defending himself, and he's like, well, I have to do this, all right? Because getting into an Ivy League college is next to impossible, and giving into Harvard is next to impossible, getting into Yale is next to impossible. However, because I went here, there is now a possibility that she could go. She has an advantage here. That's the only difference. That's the only way she's going to get into one of these schools. And I'm sorry that's hurting your pride. But so be it. I'm trying to do what's best for her future. Before I shit all over Richard, which I'm about to do, we should make a point, and Emily makes this point, that I think Richard is trying to do this for what he thinks is a noble cause. Yeah, he says, like, it wouldn't have happened any other way, and it had to be done. Yeah, but obviously everyone's mad at him with good reason. He lied to everybody, Emily, Lorelai, Rory, and it, like, soured and poisoned this entire trip. Not to mention, like, his relationship with his daughter and granddaughter because of this. 
Emily's also very mad at Richard, but she takes Lorelai aside and tries to say to her, like, hey, you know, he's doing this for what he thinks is the best reasons. It wasn't a good idea or okay for him to lie about it. But keep in mind that Yale is, like, closer to home, so if she did go to Yale, she might be able to stay at home. She also says that her getting accepted to Yale would make her more appealing to Harvard. Right. So she's not even trying to be like, you got to go to Yale. Mm -hmm. But she is saying that, like, this is a net good either way. Lorelai's having none of it. She's going to call a taxi, which is going to be very, 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 very expensive. And then when Rory comes out of the admissions office, Richard Friend's all like, she's just as good as you said she was, which, I mean, he's going to say anyway. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that was for us as well. But, I mean, he's not going to be like, you know what, Richard? Your granddaughter sucks. She shook my hand like an alien. We shook hands the whole time I was in there. She never let go. It was weird, Richard. It was weird. Why did you leave me alone with her? No one should be alone in a room with this woman. And Richard's all like, so how'd it go? And she's, like, pissed. She's, like, tells her grandfather, like, straight up, like, hey, I would have done this. If you had asked me to meet with this guy, I would 100% have done it because it would have made you happy, and I'm like a good person. She doesn't say that, but she's like, but what you did was you made me meet with this guy without being prepared, which made me anxious, which I didn't like at all. But she wasn't dressed for it. She was in, like, jeans. Like, I feel like you'd dress up for that. Yeah, and I mean, yes, you could argue it's informal, and, like, the guy kept that in mind, but Rory wasn't in the right headspace. It would have been a good opportunity for Emily to bring up that she was glad she brought her extra dress outfit. Yeah. Actually, yeah, they should have. Cut to Luke's. Much later, they just got back. They brought the tacos from a taco place in New Haven that they had been excited to visit. Supposed to be the best tacos in New Haven, which means, I don't know, pretty good tacos? We don't know. But they're eating their tacos at Luke's, which is kind of funny. Someone that's worked in a lot of restaurants. Not cool, though. Looks like you can't do that. And they're like, maybe not even going to have coffee. They're just sitting at one of his tables. It's not like he's busy and they are friends. But I'm like, you can't just bring in outside food. Yeah, I 100% am with you on this. I was just thinking that, like, they get away with so much at Luke's that it doesn't matter, I feel like. There was this guy when I worked at a Panera Bread who bought a coffee one week in like a to-go cup. And then every day he would come in with like a pastry from another store and he would fill up his coffee cup that he brought with him. We had like one or two newspapers anybody who came to the store could read. He would go and sit and read the entire newspaper, drinking our coffee and eating a pastry from another store. He did this for like a month. What? What? You can't just get a refill the next day, let alone for a month. Oh, no. This guy was clearly like, I cheat in the system. I got it. Why wouldn't he get one of your pastries if he's buying a pastry from somewhere? That's the other thing, too. It's like you couldn't have just stolen the coffee. You had to rub it in our face with the newspaper. I just can't imagine. Yeah, but you know what was great was when I told him to leave. That was really sad. I bet. I was just like, hey, man, you, uh, you've been coming here for like a month and you uh, bought one cup of coffee exactly. So if you'd like to buy some coffee, that'd be great. He did buy a coffee, and then he left. Did he throw it in your face? No, I have had that happen, though, too. You have? Yeah. Was it hot? No. Was that why they were mad? Because the coffee was cold? Yeah, they're like, this coffee feels great. And I was like, <laughs> put it in my face. I'm sorry, that happened to you. So they're eating tacos, and then Jess shows up, and he's all like, I gotta get a part for my car. And then Rory's suddenly like, you know, I gotta go study. And then she just, like, jets to, leaving her sweater behind, which is important. Then Luke sort of, like, brags to Lorelai that he, like, really laid the law down when it came to Jess. He's like, I don't think you gotta worry about it. I pretty much told him everything he needs to do. And it's funny, because their point of views have clearly, like, switched here. He's super hyper-worried about Jess, and Lorelai's kind of like, it's whatever. Mm-hmm. But then she's just like, you know that they're, like, hooking up, right? 
right now, right? Like that's kid code, get a car part. They went to their like secret meeting spot, which is surprisingly not the bridge. And so then Luke is going to go like hunt them down and he like grabs her sweater yeah. in case she gets cold. But Lorelai's like, are you going to like smell it and hunt her down with her scent? It is weird that she left her sweater though, right? Like I, that doesn't really make sense. It's also weird that they were starving and she immediately bailed. Yeah, I mean, she wants to hook up with Jess. She wants to put him in her mouth. I thought it was funny though when Luke was like, who am I kidding? This guy's trouble. <laughs> Like, admitting that Jess is a piece of shit, finally. He's always yeah, yeah. been so defensive of him. But then we get to see Rory uh, meeting up with Jess at the gas station, which is, I guess, where Gypsy works. Yeah, I think so. I just want to point out that he's, like, about to smoke a cigarette, like, while leaning against a gas pump, which is, like, a terrible idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I know Jess is a bad boy, but that's, like, a stupid boy. It's a very bad boy. You know, like, there's signs everywhere, like, don't do that, please. And then Rory walks up. And she's like, what you doing? He's like, well, it depends on what's going to happen next. AKA, I'm either going to smoke the cigarette or I'm going to kiss you. And then they just start kissing. It was, like, music with lyrics playing. It means that kiss is important. Whenever there's music playing when you kiss... That means it's important. We have yet to have that happen, so I don't know if this is meant to be or what. Yeah, music never just starts playing. Yeah. They're kissing. It's going well. They even make a joke like, well, at least we got this part. And she's like, I'm I'm glad you didn't smoke that cigarette. I've kissed someone that smokes cigarettes. Yeah, I get it. It's not that cool. But it's a little cool? It's a little cool. No. I kiss someone that smokes. (laughs) Nice. But then Rory's like, um, you know what? I actually have to go. And Jess is like, my boner. I got a boner, though. And I'm assuming she's like, my sweater, I left it. But really, she's got to run all the way to Dean's house, climb up to his window, and, like, have a combo with him. First off, we've talked about this before. How often do lovers meet through windows? Because on a Buffy and Gilmore, this is happening semi-frequently. I, oh, will my parents ever listen to this? No. I let a boy in my window. Okay, my mom listens to this. She doesn't care. She doesn't need to know that you had a boy come to your window when you were... I might have been, like, in college. Oh, my God. How old? 19. Oh, my God. It was maybe in high school. That's two years past when you were doing Jess. I lived in the basement, but my window was, like, at ground level. So you just pop that screen off. So you get a bunch of mole boys? Mole boys? Yeah, you're underground? No, I'm ground out window. He walked across the grass, not burrowed up through it. You just pop that screen out, and you pop that boy in. The window. Oh, okay, Mom, you got to stop listening now. We weren't popping anything at that point. Oh, at that point, no more popping. Okay. What if his mom listens to this? I hope so. God, if she does, I hate you. You're terrible. Um... Yeah, it was, I think we maybe did that like once or twice. It was terrifying. It was like, what if my parents hear this? I went to a girl's window one time uh-huh. and I knocked on it. Did you know her? Yeah. I don't. I just was like, I bet a girl lives here. Hello? <laughs> girl? It's an old woman asleep. We popped that window right open. <laughs> Wait, what? Is this no story- screen, baby. No screen. <laughs> How real is this story? What'd you do? Uh, okay, so the real story is I went to a girl's house who I knew, and I knocked on her window, and then she let me in the back door by the basement. Um, um <laughs> this is way more direct metaphor than mine was. It was her butthole. Um, <laughs> Your mom listens to this. My mom said, as long as I'm a virgin, it's fine, and but sex doesn't count. Yeah, they teach that at church. Yeah, they do. So I guess my point for that story was, I guess I did go to a window, and okay. you've gone to a window. Yeah. So I guess this is fine. This happens. I never claimed anyone's roof. That seems like a lot, which that, is what's always happening in Buffy and Gilmore. That's a, that's just showing someone you really love them. Like, I would knock on your ground floor window, sure. Thank you. But I'm not going to climb up some, like, garden fence. No. But Rory would. She goes to Dean, and this whole scene's a little weird. I feel like you're being very obvious, because it's like, the way that the house is set up, she's, like, very visible from the street or any other house. 
She climbs a tree, goes to the window, knocks on it. Immediately, if I were Dean, I'd be like, oh, she's a vampire, don't invite her in. But they talk, and she essentially is just like, hey, Dean, I want you to know that I think you're awesome, you were a great boyfriend. Something is wrong with me that I can't control, but it wasn't you, you treated me right, you made me happy, and I hope someday you won't hate me. And he's like, I hope that too, meaning I do hate you right now, Mm -hmm. but I hope someday I won't. It's messed up, right? Because on the one hand, we know that Rory wants everyone to be happy. She wants to do good. She wants to fix Dean. She doesn't want him to be unhappy. But, like, I don't know how much this conversation is actually helping him. Right. If anything, it's like, okay, so you still care about me? But, like, we're not together, so this is hurtful. So this guy's just, like, way hotter than me is your point? She's also selfish in this scene because she climbs the roof because she doesn't want to knock because she assumes he's told his parents and didn't want to face them because she assumes they're mad and, like, thinks his sister's mad. And she's just like, I I just want your family to love me. It's like, well, they're not gonna. I mean, obviously she shouldn't have gone to the door. I wouldn't have either, but like... She could have maybe called or something. Yeah. Talked to him after school. I don't know. That just came across pretty selfish, actually. Yeah. And he called her on it. He's like, well, not everyone likes you all the time, Rory. Yeah, boo-hoo. Which is interesting, because earlier in the episode with Richard, she's, like, very people-pleasy. But I guess it's, like, lets us know a little bit about her mind that she, like, really doesn't understand. She's, like, so overcome by her hormones that it's almost, like, temporary insanity. Because I feel like, in general, she's a pretty rational person. And, like, Jess is, like, the manifestation of, like, all of her irrationality. Mm-hmm. Then it's bedtime. So obviously they're having some coffee. Right, they're having their pre-bedtime nighttime coffee. Coffee and Ovaltine. Rory's studying. It makes sense she'd have some coffee. But Lorelai, like, takes hers to bed with her. Yeah, I know. But the two girls go to bed, and they both bring out their Yale brochures. Mm-hmm. That's their nighttime reading. Mm-hmm. Looks like Emily got in Lorelai's head again. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Emily knew what to say, right? Like, yeah. your daughter can stay home with you while she's in college. Not just Emily. Richard and Emily both got to them. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I feel like what you just said specifically is probably what got to Lorelai. Because I think in that moment, Lorelai had to look like, oh, yeah, I didn't think of that. Yeah, I mean, it's meant Rory was also reading her thing. Yes. So I think what Richard said got to her. Yeah, I mean, I think Richard definitely went about this the wrong way. Yeah. And lied to them. But Lorelai is maybe being stubborn. I do think part of Lorelai really, really doesn't want Rory to go to Yale because that's what her dad wants. Yeah, and that was the path she had that she rejected. Yeah. I do think Lorelai's being selfish by not even, like, entertaining it or, like, letting Rory make her own choice about it. Sure, yeah. So it is a little bit of pride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, Richard's deception, though, is so, like, ugh. It was like a long con, too, back to the chocolate. Exactly. Yeah, I do agree that I think that he has some good points, but, like, his whole methodology was just, like, really unsavory. Well, he firmly believes that Lorelai wouldn't have let it happen if he didn't do it that way. That's true, but he could have he could have trusted his granddaughter. Like Rory said, I would have done this if you had asked me. Mm-hmm. That's the episode. Stacy, do you think it was a good one? I do. It was funny. It was. The fight at Yale was great. Mm-hmm. There was some really cute, sweet stuff on campus. Yeah. With, like finding out more about Emily and Richard. Yep. I didn't love the awkward moments between Jess and Rory. I was like, just just do it. You'll be fine. But like their actual like first moment by the gas station was cute. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed myself watching it. I thought it was a good episode, too. I think, like, all the beats at Yale were, like, very good. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you about the awkwardness was sort of, like, whatever. We're just treading water. Luke's reaction to Jess and Rory was very over the top, but it was also funny and kind of sweet that he cares about Rory, that he thinks he's, like, being a good parent. But, like, also just his emotions about it were funny. Yeah. All right. My predictions, though, here are that something bad is going to happen with Jess and Lorelai is going to be like, see, I told you so. I tried to be so cool, and now I'm mad about it. Very specific. Yeah. Guess we'll see. 
Should we move on? Let's move on. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile Uncharmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us have seen. But we're going to discuss it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Brian, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile, on Charmed, Season 3, Episode 8, Sleuthing with the Enemy. After Prue, Phoebe, and Piper learn that Cole is the demon that has been trying to kill them, Phoebe faces the tough decision of killing the man she loves, or defying her sisters by letting him go free. Um... A lot of stuff happening here. Yeah, I feel like we maybe made some mistakes. No, I don't think we ever have. Okay. So who do we say Cole was last week? Cole is the guy that works at Piper's right. bar, who's yeah. very upset he wasn't making enough money. Yeah. So he caused drama between the sisters so that they would be vulnerable. Yep. And then they were attacked by a very dumb demon who was like looking for shawls, I think. Yeah, I don't think that's wrong. I think that's what happened. Cole's a demon? I think it was like one of those things where he like didn't know. He always suspected but didn't know. Okay. He finds out for sure he's a demon this episode. Can you imagine living your whole life not knowing that you were a demon? Yeah, it's just like weird. You're like, I went to sleep last night and up on the ceiling like I'm not a big fan of sunlight I also think just based on some clues here remember the episode where they were being like watched yeah yeah by what Daryl said could be a human right and like oh it must be a human right I think was that maybe Cole I think it was Cole but we said that that was the wheelchair man from Buffy yeah well that dude's got a friend yeah this guy oh you think Cole is one of the Winklevoss twins that was working for the old man yeah okay so the old man yes is not Cole no he's a human yeah. He has two demons, mm-hmm. twin demons. Yeah. Cole and... Kale. Kale? Mm-hmm. Right. Is Kale a demon? Yep. Okay. They're both half demon. They didn't know. Oh, you think... <laughs> They're both half demons? Yeah, babe. Didn't you watch the show in your head? Right, okay. So so they find out in this episode, Cole and Kale, that they are demons because the wheelchair dude tells them. What does Kale do? He's got his own... He's, got, he, he's a farmer. Mm-hmm. Kale. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Uh, and Phoebe has, like, been crushing on him hard while he was an employee. And she's like, something about him is just, like, dark and mysterious. Demony. Cole. Yes, not Kale. No. She doesn't even know about Kale. Well, they might, because something happened with them in that other episode. She didn't know that's his brother. They're twins, but... Yeah, well, they're wearing masks. <laughs> and it was dark. Anyway, she's been crushing on him hard, which is why she's, like, sort of mean to him at work to flirt. Uh-huh. And he took that as, like, she's being, like, super naggy to me. But really, it was her trying to flirt. Then in this episode, she's like, oh my god, I think I love him because she finds out that he's a demon too and like it doesn't change her feelings. So that's how she knows. So do you think she kills the man she loves or do you think she... She lets him free. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like what a woman in love might do. Buffy. Yeah. She gets him cornered and then the wheelchair guy is like on his end of the phone and he's all like, oh no, they've got him now. They're gonna kill him. And she lets him go. Do you think he's going to work at the bar still? I don't know. He gets away, though. Wow. So just Cole's on the loose. Yeah. And Kale's out there, too. Right. Just farming. They're Mostly both farming. Half demon. Mm-hmm. All right. This is Ben. Meanwhile on Charmed. So, Stacey, then we watched Buffy. Yeah, we did. Kind of a big Buffy. Tell us about Lover's Walk. So in Lover's Walk, Buffy and Angel are grappling with if they can handle just being friends. Willow and Xander's romance is really coming to a head, like all the way to the head. It pops like a pimple. (laughs) Also, Spike's back. Spike's back. Ah! Love him. Okay, that's the episode, right? Yeah. So the SAT scores are in. Willow's very upset because she got a 740 in verbal, which leads me to believe she got much higher in math, so she did great. She's upset. Everyone's making fun of her for being upset. Seems like Xander did bad. Seems like Cordelia did very well. Buffy got a 1430? What? 
Are we to believe that she, like, is smart, has just, like, never tried? I don't know, because I feel like the show has made it clear that she, like, isn't, like, dumb, but also isn't, like, exceptionally smart. She's, like, street smart, but then she'll say some, like, real blonde things sometimes. Yeah, exactly. So it was surprising that they decided to say, like, oh, no, she's actually very smart. Like, she... Tried hard and, like, studied, but she's very bad at school. Yeah. But maybe she's just always been distracted by, like, being popular and sure, yeah. fighting vampires. And She has been studying for several episodes. But basically, they're like, you could apply anywhere, any college with those scores. And Cordelia's like, great, you could, like, leave this town and never come back. I don't mean that is a bad thing. I just mean, like, why would anyone ever want to come back here? And then just the way he showed up the first time, Spike shows up again in his black car, crashing through the sign, except this time he's just wasted. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he falls out of his car. So it turns out vampires can drink. Yeah, I forgot all about this. Uh, yeah, he's wasted. So I guess Mr. Trick could have had a Diet Coke. Yeah. What's going on with the monkey in the opening credits? Buffy had that in a vision last season, and they're really wanting us to see it in the credits. Does that ever come back? Why did she dream that? So what's funny is that it doesn't. I mean, unless I'm wrong, I don't think so. Maybe it does, and I'm, like, missing something. I think retroactively they might have sort of included it. I can't talk about it, though. Okay, then we won't. But uh, no, there isn't a scene that's like, oh yeah, the monkey. Spike goes to Spike's house. The original Spike's house, the factory. Yes. Turns out Drew has left him and he's like super bummed. That's why he's been drinking. He beats up her dollies to try to feel better about it. Xander and Cordelia are planning a bowling double date with Oz and Willow. I feel like Xander wouldn't want to do this. Like, why spend time with Willow in the presence of Cordelia? Yeah, I don't know, man. It seems like you're just asking for trouble. Yeah. And then he sees that Cordelia has put up pictures of them in her locker. She also, like, laughs at something he says. Like, she really likes him. And then Oz gives Willow a gift just because he really likes her. It's a little Pez dispenser witch. And she loves this so much. She's like, we got to get you a werewolf one. And then he's all like, oh, they don't make those. Which they 100% do. I bet. They make everything. Yeah. If, if they don't, you can find one with a dog. But there definitely is a werewolf Pez dispenser. But Oz loves her so much. Yeah. And Cordelia loves Xander. I feel like Willow loves Oz. I don't know if Xander loves Cordelia. Yeah. It's all weird. Like, I feel like Willow is legitimately wanting to be with both men. Yeah. But Xander almost feels like trapped with Cordelia or like, I gotta date her because she's hot. I don't know. It's all messy. I think Oz is written very well. He has, like, a very specific way of speaking. Mm -hmm. Seth Green also plays it very well. I don't know. His character is just so bizarre, but it's consistent. Yeah. Giles had somewhere to be this episode. He's like, I'm going to show up. I'm going to do one scene, and then I'm not going to be in the rest of the episode, okay? But he's, like, going on a retreat. He's very prepared. He's packed everything. Buffy said that her mom's head spun around and exploded when she saw her scores, and Giles is like, is that real? It could be real. Yeah, on the Hellmouth, that's a thing that could happen. <laughs> but he and Buffy also talk like how maybe she could take a break, like since Faith is here. Not in this episode, but maybe Buffy could go to college. Really, I think they just need to like do a flatliners and like kill a bunch of Slayers and make a bunch of Slayers. Why, why aren't we doing that? They should do that. If you're not familiar, the movie Flatliners is a bunch of like college kids learn how to kind of kill themselves and experience near-death experiences. So they technically die, which Buffy technically died. Let's make like 50 Slayers. Yeah. Anyway, Giles is like, I'm going to go. Like I said, don't have time to be in this episode. You going to hang out with Angel while I'm gone? And she's like, yes, but don't worry. Nothing's going to happen. Cut to Willow saying, something's going to (laughs) happen. They do that a lot in the show. That's actually the second time in the first 10 minutes of the episode. Yeah. 
Xander's like, no, it's gonna be fine. Let's just make out real quick in this courtyard. Again, not sure why we're pushing for a double date. I want to talk about their relationship. Okay. Two things. One, their like weird romantic theme song. Mm-hmm. I feel like it is the song that Lorelai does her like chicken dance to. I feel like they're like very similar. I gotta look it up. I'm, I won't be surprised if they're the same song. I don't feel that way at all. And I would like to also make this comparison. Okay. But also, like, their relationship is it's just, I don't know, it seems forced to me. I don't, it just doesn't seem organic. What do you think? To me, it makes sense. Like, they've always been will there, won't they? And I think the writers are like, shoot, we're, like, running out of high school. If we're going to do this, we should do it soon. Or they might go to college and meet new people. But yeah, you, you pointed out that their very first kiss, like, when they were getting practice dressed for homecoming, it, like, what? They just saw each other in fancy clothes? And are like, oh, wow, this is what I've been missing. They play it off like it's a very physical attraction. Yeah. A lot like Jess and Rory, where it's sort of like, I just couldn't help but kiss you because I was overcome with, like, physical hormones. Sure, but really it's more emotional. Yeah, between them, it's not just a physical thing. It's like an emotional thing. Like, this guy I let in my window wasn't really that physically attracted to him. But we were good friends for a long time, so eventually it just felt like, you know, we cuddle sometimes. It makes sense that we should maybe start kissing. I feel like it was like a slow thing for me. Which would make more sense for these two, since they've been friends forever. But yeah, like, if they were physically attracted to each other that much, that they just can't help but make out all the time, you'd think that would have been there sooner. Yeah, and that's the part that I have trouble with. Not just that, like, I don't know. I wouldn't have a problem with them being like, wow, I, I like, I have these feelings I just, like, can't blink away, you know? Like, and we talk about it, and, like, maybe we did kiss once, but they're just, like, holding themselves back from each other. I guess, though, once you break the seal on kissing someone... Yeah, once you pissed on someone's face... <laughs> When a relationship's new like that. You That's just... a reference to breaking the seal. I just want to make that clear in case someone was like, what? But when a relationship's new, like, you you just want to touch and kiss and stuff all the time. Yeah. And they're not in a relationship, but since they have broken the seal, I get what they would want to. Yeah. I remember being excited about them when I watched it the first time. And I am excited about them now, but it just seems inorganic for the reasons we said. Joyce is just being a real Richard, really trying to push a good college onto Buffy. She's like, come on, Buffy, you can totally go to college. Like, what's even keeping you here? Another significant cut to Angel reading a book by a fire. He's what's keeping her here. He reads, he draws. Who cares if he's an evil demon? But Spike is spying on him. He just, like, resents Angel for everything that happened with Drew, mumbling about how he's going to get Angel, and then he just, like, trips and passes out in the garden. And then the sun comes up and starts burning his hand. So he's freaking out. He, like, gets to his car to pour some booze on his hand. But he had to run through the sun to get to his car. Yeah, the show is very inconsistent about how quickly Sun will kill vampires. And then he goes to a magic store, and the shopkeeper's like, oh, you must have come in the back. But how did he get from his car to the store? Yeah. There must have been, like, some Sun, unless there's, like, a garage in the back. Or he should be, like, smoking when he walked in. Yeah, he was, like, on fire from the Sun before. But he's come to this magic store to do some curse shopping. He wants to give Angel, like, boils or leprosy, and the shopkeeper's like, we don't carry leprosy. (laughs) That was funny. Then Willow comes in, and the shopkeeper greets her with, blessed be. What is this place? You can't be religious and magic. It's weird because it's some sort of, like, magic store, but I feel like it's just, like, not big enough to have all the supplies you would need for magic. It also, like, the wall that we see, like, along the front door has, like, nothing on it. Yeah, totally empty. Very oddly designed. And it's also weird that we had a magic store, and now we're at a different magic store. Yeah, how many does this town have? 
But Willow's there to get stuff to do an anti-love spell, which Spike overhears. And he hears her say that she knows how to do a love spell. Whether she does or not, I think she was just trying to lie to the shopkeeper. And Willow pays $16, which is now $25 with inflation. It's pretty cheap for a spell that will drastically affect someone's life. Yeah. But she leaves. Spike eats the shopkeeper. He doesn't need her anymore. He's got other plans. Can we just stop and talk about that for one second? Sure. Spike just kills a random woman, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is normal. Of course, he's evil. I just want to point out that he's a killer who will kill real, innocent people with normal lives. Yes. We'll get back to that. The mayor. He's golfing in his office. He's mini-putting. His office isn't, like, enormous. He's got a full 18 holes. (laughs) All 18 of his holes are full. (laughs) Someone's come in the screen, popped it out. They're in the back door. Sorry, don't listen to this one with your kids. I know you have been all the other episodes, but... Yeah, I know a lot of people play our podcast like Fireside Chats, and the whole family gathers around. Mm -hmm. But you know how you got that family. Clean it up. He's talking to his beta assistant... (laughs) They seem to know that Spike is back in town. They know he's been here before. They know all about Spike. They think it's kind of funny what Spike did before. But the mayor says that this year is too important to have such a loose cannon on the loose and tells the assistant to take care of it. That's all we see of the mayor. Oh, so that's why those guys attack Spike later. Oh, you think? That's got to be it, because he says he's going to round up some vampires. Yeah, because I was just thinking, like, why did we see that scene? Unless Spike is coming back this season, which he might. Like, why did we need the mayor to handle it? That makes sense. Angel's building a fire while Buffy's looking over some of her college pamphlets. Buffy tells Angel that her mom doesn't know that he's back. I feel like Giles would have told Joyce, though. Yeah. I think Giles and Joyce are on like a, let's be honest about Buffy basis now. Yeah, and let's know each other carnally, kind of. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, my mom wants me to get away from the Hellmouth, which I get, but like there's reasons to stay here, too. And Angel's like, huh, uh, yeah, but like, what? Like, uh, what reason? Like, say you love me, Buffy. Buffy's like, well, what do you think I should do? And he's like, well, as your friend, I think you should leave. Which she takes to mean as like now. She just starts packing up. He's like, no, no, you just got here. Ugh, with these two. It's complicated, I guess, but like, I don't know. It's frustrating. Yeah. But it's so not cut and dry what they should do. She should probably kill him. Yeah, I mean, Angel should kill himself. I hate to say that, but like, he should. I mean, is he happy? Probably not. But hope he isn't. Yeah. Like, <laughs> How long before her little visits are all it takes to make him purely happy? What if these books he's reading are really good? This book is so good. Am I going to evil again? What if it's the fires he's building? It could be anything. <laughs> what if it's Tai Chi? Like, he shouldn't be trying new interests. Yeah. Stick to the stuff you know doesn't do it for you. <laughs> Willow's just making a potion in a dark chemistry lab. Xander comes in and, like, doesn't even try not to flirt with her. She's trying to hide from Xander what she's doing, though. Yeah, she won't mention that it's a love spell. She's saying it's, like, gonna help with the grades. Yeah, she's just saying she's doing chemistry, and she asked him there to learn about chemistry. But really, I guess she maybe, like, needs his hair or just, like, wants him to drink it when she's done. Like, what? She's gonna be like, yeah, this is a chemistry experiment. Now drink some of it so you can learn. (laughs) I don't know what her plan was. Stranger plans have been concocted in this school. It's also weird because this is the night they're going bowling and they've told Cordelia and Oz to meet them in the chemistry lab. Like, why not just meet at the bowling alley? Yeah, because the first question is going to be like, hey, what spell did you just cast? Yeah. You got all like sage burning. What's going on? But Xander figures out what she's doing because her book just says witchcraft on it. Well, he's seen a love spell cast before. Yes, he's like, this is love spell stuff. You know this goes badly for me. And then he's like, I'm so mad. I'm going to turn on the lights since it makes no sense that they're off. I bet they're only off, so I haven't an excuse to get closer to the door. Oh my God, Spike's at the door. 
It just felt like, why did the lights need to be on, off? For spells, boo. You gotta do spells in the dark. But Spike is there. He knocks him out. He's here to kidnap Willow. He takes him to Spike's house, part one. And he wants Willow to do a love spell for him to get Drew back. Willow's like, I can try. You're so scary. And then he just like starts drunkenly confessing all his problems to Willow, like they're gal pals. Yeah, I want to take a step back though, because this is all funny. But like a second before this, he's going to like gut her eye with like a broken bottle. Yes. He's um he's kind of a mess right now. But he's like, she wouldn't even kill me. She just left. Would have showed she cared at least if she'd killed me. I guess because he's like left to just be eternally tortured by the fact that they can't be together. And she did it with a chaos demon, which is gross. Yes. She thought the truce that he made with Buffy like made him soft. And yeah, he caught her making out with the chaos demon. She's a slimy antlered creature. But he gave her all this stuff. He gave her beautiful dresses with beautiful girls in them. Was that like a joke like he gave her the girls to eat that happened yeah. to be wearing beautiful dresses. But nothing made her happy. And eventually, I guess he put his foot down about her cheating on him. And she's like, well, we'll just be friends then. He just starts like crying on Willow's shoulder. And she's like, they're there. Yeah, it's funny. And then he remembers that she looks delicious, flips back into vampire mode. And she's like, no, no, none of that. I'll help you do your spells. But like, P.S., I'm not a real witch. So who knows what'll happen here? He's like, cool, cool. Totally get that. But if you can't do it, I am going to kill Xander. So like, maybe do it. And she's missing some ingredients. She says she left some things somewhere. And then it cuts to Buffy at the library. But then when they actually get the stuff, it's from the magic shop. Yes, but he goes to Buffy's house. So I think she like left it at Buffy's. Yeah, maybe the book was there and then she needed the ingredients from the magic shop. Anyway, Buffy's just jumping rope in the library, you know, like you do. Cordelia and Oz have arrived and find the chemistry lab all messed up and Xander and Willow aren't there. Buffy sends them off to wherever Giles is for help and Joyce calls the library, but the call gets cut off by Spike because he's gone to visit Joyce. Buffy, like, runs home to save her mom, but it's okay. Spike enjoys her old friends. Yeah. She's, like, making him cocoa. Spike's telling her the whole deal again about the breakup. Yeah. And she's, like, trying to give him advice. It's so funny. This whole scene's good. He asks if he can have marshmallows. They can eat. But Angel's creeping. He sees them through just the wide open door. Like, the kitchen door is just all the way open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Why is it all the way open? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like other times she's like gone to take the trash out and then someone showed up or something like that. That's how that cat got in. Joyce is dumb. I mean, that's just clear, guys. You can't just leave your door open in this town. To be fair, you're safe from vampires. But that's like kind of a minor issue in this town. Yeah. You got reptile boys. You got mummy ladies. You got to be careful. But he can't come in. Joyce doesn't trust him, of course. Last she knew, he was very bad and maybe dead. Spike is loving this. He's just like being all giddy about Angel's predicament behind Joyce's back. Then Buffy comes in and stops Spike and she invites Angel in. I know she knows how to reverse it now, but I think maybe it's just best for everyone if Angel's not invited in right now. Yeah, it's just you're opening up a can of worms, man. Maybe she'll reverse it tomorrow. I doubt it. She's about to kill Spike, and he's like, no, no, I have Willow, who's a witch, by the way, Joyce. And Joyce is very confused by all of this. And Spike's like, Xander too. And Joyce is like, Xander's a witch? <laughs> And Spike basically invites Buffy and Angel to come on his quest with him. Cordelia and Oz are on their way to Giles when Oz smells Willow, and specifically that she's afraid. Have they set up that he can do that? I don't think so. So they turn around to go find Willow. It's weird that there was a similar line in Gilmore Girls about Luke sniffing Rory's sweater. Yeah. This is just a thing men can do. Is it? 
No. And it's actually weird because women generally tend to have a better sense of smell than men because smell is linked to estrogen. So it's very inaccurate, actually. I smell so much better than you. You do. It's weird. I mean, you physically can smell better than me. I do smell better than you. No. Both ways I smell better. (laughs) You don't smell bad, but sometimes you do. I love you too. Next. Okay. Spike is sobering up. He says he wishes he were dead. And Buffy's like, well, I can take care of that if you want. But she doesn't. They're friends. Buffy kind of jokes that Xander and Willow are probably just at the factory anyway. And Spike's like, what? No. Nah. And then, much like in Gilmore Girls, Spike comes across a significant bench where he and Drew killed a homeless man. (laughs) And when he says this, Angel, I'm pretty sure almost breaks character. He like looks away and covers his mouth a little because it is pretty funny, this whole scene. Like fondly remembering murdering someone and Buffy and Angel are just like not amused by this. Yeah. So they all go to the magic store to get what Willow needs. Buffy tells Spike to get the rat's eyes. He's like, I used to bring her rats with the morning paper. (laughs) (laughs) Buffy points out how pathetic Spike is being. and He's like, yeah, well, what's going on with you two? You say you're friends, but you're in love with each other and it's going to kill you both. I've got the same problem, but at least I'm admitting it. And they're like, huh, maybe, maybe Spike's right. Willow is trying to bust out of Spike's house, and Xander wakes up. They've very much decided they don't have a chance of surviving, even though they always survive. So they're like, let's just, like, make out. And they, like, really make out. Like, laying down, like, maybe gonna bone making out. Which, of course, Cordelia and Oz walk in on. How did they get in? Yeah, I don't know. They're supposedly locked in, I would imagine, right? Yeah, Spike was drunk, but I don't think he just, like, left the door open like Joyce. Yeah. And we just set up that Willow couldn't open the door. So maybe there's a back door? But Willow didn't look very hard for it, if that's the case. And they, like, sneakily broke in. Like, they didn't hear any banging or anything. Yeah. That's, I think, a really big mistake. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So Cordelia and Oz are like, we gotta go. Cordelia falls through a staircase and gets punctured by, like, rebar right in the stomach. Doesn't look good. Spike, Angel, and Buffy are done shopping when they get cornered by a bunch of angry vampires, which you pointed out probably were sent by the mayor. This is all dumb. I guess every episode's got to have a big fight scene, and they really want to utilize this new downtown set piece. That is true. It's so funny, because this show, I hate to compare it to, like, Hercules, but this show and Hercules, I feel like every episode, like, we need to have at least two minutes of fighting every episode. How do we fit it in this one? By the way, this downtown is very clearly a set. Yeah. I I don't know. It just feels very fake. So Spike's like, if they kill me, your friends are going to starve to death, so you better help me. They end up barricading themselves back in the magic shop, which doesn't really work. A very, very light door falls on Angel, which he just cannot get out from under. That was ridiculous. Buffy, like, blows it off of him, essentially. Thank God. It was about to crush him. (laughs) You can see him, like, moving under it, and it it looks like he's struggling to keep it on top of him. (laughs) It's the flimsiest door, and she has a line like, oh, you're not back at full strength yet. Yeah, you're not back at any strength yet. He could have just, like, rolled out from under it or, like, stood up. Like, a child would have no issue getting out from under this. No. I don't know how a door could really hold you down unless it's, like, an old church door or something. Yeah. This was just, like, the door to the back room. They find some holy water in the shop and just start, like, pelting the vampires with it. And they don't like that, so they run away. Spike had a blast. He's feeling like himself again. He's like, you know, forget the spell. You're friends at the factory. I'm just going to, like, stop drinking, be my charming Spike self, tie up Drew, torture her. She'll love it. She'll come crawling back. It'll be great. Bye, guys. And they kind of treat this like a, and that's our Spike. (laughs) What trouble's he going to get into next week? We love Spike. We want to see him again. We don't want Buffy to kill him, but really, Buffy should not let him go. Yeah, Buffy should kill him. He's going to go kill other people. I would imagine that Spike kills at least one person a day, right? Yeah. 
I mean, even if it's way less than that, even if it's a person a week, that's still terrible. But I would bet it's like a person a day. So when you let him go, he's killing a person a day until for forever, until he dies. He tells Willow that he hasn't like had a woman in a while. He's like, oh, but there was that shopkeeper earlier. <laughs> like, yeah. How many shopkeepers is he eating? The show kind of glosses over stuff like this. But like, Buffy, you really are letting a lot of people die right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, Faith would be pissed. Yep. Xander does, like, some parkour to climb down and rescue Cordelia, even though he was just telling Willow his legs weren't working from his being knocked out by Spike. And then Cordelia dies? No. Buffy and Willow are just casually walking by a funeral that is not Cordelia's. They say none of her vitals were punctured. She is in the hospital. I think this is really well done. You know that she's on the show Angel, so you know that she's not dead. I guess I don't know what the timeline of Angel is, but I can assume it's probably not like before Buffy shows up. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was like temporarily shocked because they did a really good job of making it seem like she had died. Yeah, I mean, she looked legit hurt, like very, very hurt. When they got to the funeral, I like gasped, but after like two seconds, I was like, no way, this is a trick. I thought it was so funny when they're like, so Cordelia's going to be fine? Yeah. (laughs) Like, yep. And Willow tells Buffy she's, like, feeling super guilty about hurting Oz. Much like Rory feels guilty about hurting Dean. Mm-hmm. Xander goes to the hospital, and Cordelia's like, Xander, stay away from me. That's that. He leaves. It's maybe, like, liberating for the two of them, actually. Like, yeah, yeah, it sucks that you hurt your partners, but at least they're, like, free to be together now and don't have to worry about breaking up with them. Well, I mean, Willow wants to be with Oz. And Xander, though? Like, now her decision's kind of made. Yeah. She seems hopeful that maybe Oz will take her back, I guess. I don't know. It's very messy. It is messy. I don't know that it's, I mean, life is messy, but it is. Buffy goes to visit Angel to tell them that this is the last time she'll be visiting Angel. Why didn't you say him there? (laughs) Buffy tells Angel that Buffy's done visiting Angel, and if Angel's upset with Buffy, then he should tell Buffy how Angel feels. This is my portion. I can say (laughs) whatever names I want to give. Oh, but when I say the wrong names or can't remember Jackson's name other than the fruit guy, I gotta learn them. Well, I was being more specific. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, you don't need my help anymore. And Spike's right. We're not just friends. I want us to be more, but we can't. It's a very, like, Christopher Lorelai situation. Only Sherry's baby is the fact that sex will make him bad, Angel. (laughs) She's like, we can do this still if you can tell me that you don't love me. And he can't. Yeah, she does not wait for an answer, though. (laughs) No, she gives him, like, no time. And you have two seconds to answer, Angel. Goodbye. I mean, was he he supposed to just shout? I don't. Like, Oh, we can be friends. Would you want to watch something? And then we get this very sad montage. Willow's sad in a room. Oz is sadly playing guitar. Xander is sadly putting books in the library cage. I feel like they could have given him a better activity than that. Yeah. <laughs> like, not his normal habitat. Cordelia's still sad in the hospital. Buffy's sad in a pink print shirt. I was waiting for it to cut to Giles just having the fucking time of his life in the <laughs> <Yeah>. retreat. <laughs> that been a Doing good like trust falls and like yeah. group obstacle courses. Just like skipping through meadows with watchers. Is it a watcher's retreat? They just said it was a retreat. I don't know who else he knows unless it's like him and Snyder. I hope so. I'm just glad we know it's not Joyce. Yeah. I gotta get a car part from this retreat. But it doesn't cut to Giles. Close. It cuts to Spike driving away, having the hit time of his life, singing like a rock version of My Way. How can he see? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. There's no way. Like, you'd have to have, like, at least a little hole. In, He's like, got a hole. But the sun would come in the hole. Yeah. I don't know how you would, like, turn the car. You might be able to find a way where direct sunlight's not coming in, but, like, if you turn the car, it will. But you also pointed out, if you're a vampire, you should be driving real safe. You shouldn't be driving. Because if you're driving during the day, there's just so many ways you can die. If you get in an accident, you die. 
Because the car will be, like, busted open. Yeah. If you get pulled over, you die. You roll the window down, you die. Yeah. Even if your plan is to, like, bite the cop, you still have to roll the window down. You die. So, yeah, you either don't drive at daytime or you drive more careful so none of those things happen. Yeah. But he's just, like, flying. I think this car is supposed to be a reference to the movie After Dark, but I don't know. So, that's the episode. Brian, was it a good one? Yeah, I think it was a good one. Like, all the stuff with Spike was pretty fun. And the stuff with Angel and Buffy is a little poignant. There was good drama with, like, Willow and Xander, significant others finding out. There was also just some good jokes, like the misdirect with Cordelia I thought was funny. The stuff with the mayor was fine. It was just kind of letting us know he's around and knows about everything. Actually, I thought was a little disappointed in the mayor scene. I, I think the mayor scenes coming up will be better. But, yeah, I thought it was overall was a pretty funny one, while also still moving the season drama arcs along. Mm-hmm. Um, it did have some flaws, but overall I think it was a good one, yeah. How do you feel? Yeah, I feel similarly. It was very funny. Definitely, like, feels moments with, like, Cordelia being temporarily dead. The stuff with Angel and Buffy was... I thought, well done, I guess. I don't know. It's just frustrating to not know how they end up because I feel like there is no good answer. So I guess I'm just antsy to know. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely enjoyed myself. It was a very roller coaster ride of emotions. So now I got to ask, which episode do you think was better? I went into this thinking Buffy, but now I think Gilmore. I see. I see. I think there's maybe more problems with Buffy. Buffy was really funny, but I don't know. There's a few things that I thought were maybe not good. Yeah. Like, I loved, loved, loved the Spike and Joyce stuff. Pretty much everything with Spike. But, like, yeah, the mirror stuff wasn't good. It was just vampires showing up for no reason was kind of dumb. The Willow-Xander stuff's a little frustrating. The end, the culmination of all that. Like, Oz and Cordelia finding out was really good. I'm glad that finally happened. But, yeah, like, Willow gonna mess with Xander's emotions through a spell? That's not okay. Yeah, they don't talk about that either, that she's going to, like, cast a spell on herself, but also on Xander without, like, his consent, which I think um, is sort of a big deal, like a big bad deal. Like, you shouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. Where I think Gilmore was also really funny and had a lot of good drama and didn't have as many problems. What do you think? Um, I think both episodes are very good, but I think I'm going to have to give it to Gilmore, but by a hair. Yeah. We watched Gilmore first, obviously, and I thought Gilmore was great. But then after watching Buffy, I was like, ooh, maybe that was better. Like, I had a good time. But talking about it now, I think I talked myself into Gilmore. If this Buffy was up against a different Gilmore, I think this Buffy would have won. But for me, it was all that stuff at Yale. Like, that whole, like, the stuff with Richard was just funny enough that I think it gave it the edge. Yeah, that whole Yale sequence was funny and sweet and also dramatic once they had the fight. It's funny because I felt like a lot of the awkwardness between Jess and Rory was dumb and, like, not that well done. But Buffy had the same kind of vibe with Xander and Willow. So it's like, well, that's not better. I thought the Jess and Rory stuff, too, even though it was awkward, it built well to their sweet moment. Yes. I feel like I almost teared up at some point in Gilmore. Maybe when she was talking to Dean. Yeah. Uh, I do want to say that real quickly, though, that the sweet moment between Jess and Rory, I don't know that it was sweet. It was two hormonal teens who want to make out. That's what we saw. But we've been waiting over a season for that moment. I agree, but I don't know that it was sweet. Sex scenes aren't sweet. And this was like a PG-13 sex scene. I guess. I think it was meant to be sweet, but I don't. I did not feel like it was. It was just like, oh, these are our hormones. Maybe sweet isn't the right word, but it was like a release for them and for us. I yeah, I hear what you're saying. It's just the fact that they kissed and they're like, well, this still works. That line was like speaking to me, like saying like, this is what we have. Sure, yeah. Which is weird because she and Jess have so much in common. Their personalities do interlock so well, so seamlessly on so many things, that the fact that, like, right now their relationship is based on the fact that they like making out was the problem for me. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see how their relationship goes. 
Spoilers. I didn't say anything. I saw that Dean's on the spinoff. Everyone's in the spinoff. All right, so we have to give it to Gilmore. I feel like I'm giving a lot to Gilmore this season. It's a good season to Gilmore. It is, I, but I don't feel like Gilmore's blowing Buffy out of the water when I watch them. No, 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 no. I feel like it's like Gilmore keeps winning by hair. I feel like we're doing that thing where they're pretty evenly matched a lot. Like if they're bad, they're both bad. If they're right. mediocre, they're both mediocre. And if Buffy's anything like season two, I feel like the latter half... That's true. Will be. I mean, Gilmore's going to have some good ones later, but I bet Buffy's going to be really good in the second half. I am excited for the next episode. Which is? If you guys want to watch along next week, we're watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 3, Episode 9, The Wish. As well as Gilmore Girls Season 3, Episode 9, A Deep Fried Korean Thanksgiving. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Did you let anyone in your window? Did you let anyone in the back door? Did you pop a screen? Are you Stacy's old boyfriend listening to our podcast? Hello? Did you have a secret meeting spot to make out? Who's Giles with on this retreat? Should they kill Spike? I mean, forget the fact that you like, but they should kill Spike, right? Let us know. You can reach out to us by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post all kinds of interactive and behind-the-scenes content. If you love our podcast, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps our podcast get discovered by even more Buffy Gilmore fans. And if you leave us a review, we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. Like we did for Lanny Harms. Yes, like we did for my friend Lanny Harms. For even more comedy content not related to the podcast, you can follow us at Brian and Stacy. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an EY. That's right. We also make comedy sketches, play board games, and review movies in a similar style to the podcast. For all that and more, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If social media is not your thing, you can send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. I just want you guys to know uh, while you're out there that uh, you'll always be love's bitch. (laughs) All of you. All of you. Regardless of whether you love someone or not. You'll be love's bitch. This is a quote from Spike that we didn't say. Yeah, he came here and told me this last night. I'm so happy to see him. Bye.